Hello, and welcome to the next episode of my podcast. Today I'm going to talk about things that have affected my life and my writing. So I hope you've got your cup of coffee and we're ready to go. Do you ever wonder how your personality developed? Why you have some of the beliefs you have? What makes you so rigid in thought and deed? What makes you a big softy with a big heart? Well, I certainly do. And I often wonder how I came to write the books I do. But really, I do know where it comes from. It comes from my past, my childhood, and events that changed my life forever. I understand what shaped me into the person and writer that I am. We all have a story, and I want to share one of mine. Got your coffee? I've got my Dr. Pepper. Before I get to the story, I want to give you a tip, a writer's tip. I like to bring things to my fellow writers and to those aspiring to write. So here it is. If you use Word to write your manuscript, there is a little trick I love to use shared by a fellow author. On the top toolbar where you see File, Home, Insert, Draw, etc., you will also find Review. It's a little farther to the right. Click on that and look over to the left. The second box says Read Aloud. Under that it says Speech. If you open it while you're in your document and click where you want it read, the computer voice, male or female, your choice, will read what you've written. It's a wonderful tool, especially with my eyesight. I can listen instead of having to read it. Now, it won't check spelling or grammar, but it does let you hear it as if it's being read. This will give you an idea of the flow, and you can make adjustments as to how it sounds. Try it. You'll love it. Now, let's talk about a huge influence in my life, my father. In my eyes, he stood seven feet tall with curly black hair and piercing blue eyes. I was afraid of him when I was small. He had the look of a pirate. He was fierce, unyielding, and my child eyes saw him larger than life. But he was just five feet eleven. As I look back on it now, I realize certain things are magnified in childhood. I did have the inflexible part correct, though. I'm talking about this today because my husband and I went to see the movie Midway about a week ago. I highly recommend it. The movie opened with the attack on Pearl Harbor. I was thrown into an emotional upheaval. Tears streamed down my face during the first quarter of that movie. Why? My father was on the USS Raleigh during that attack. He survived it, but I really don't know how he did. He was a gunner's mate. He was 17. His mother had to sign him into the Navy because he wasn't of age. But that's not all. When they arrived at the recruiter's office, they turned him down because his last name didn't match what was on his social security card. Well, his mom was standing right there beside him, so he questioned her. And she had to admit to him 
father who raised him was not his real father. Think of how that made him real, in shock. He was never formally adopted by his stepfather, but he carried his name. She thought she got away with it. Long story short, they fixed the problem, and my dad entered the Navy, but never resolved the issue with his paternity. Then, Pearl Harbor happened. Well, I grew up hearing the horror stories of that day over and over again. Dad seemed to relive it constantly. I truly believe the war and my dad's confusion over his identity changed him forever. This was back in the day before anyone knew or understood what PTSD was. He stayed in the Navy for six years. And while in the service, he married and started a family. My sister was born first, I was second. But by the time I was born, the war was long over. But a lifetime of pain festered in my dad all his life, spilling over on me and my siblings. Now, some of them have different memories of our childhood. I can't speak for them. All I can do is share the pain I suffered as a result of my dad being bombed at Pearl Harbor. So, I was the second born. I was the runt of the litter of four siblings, and I was the youngest girl. By the time Dad left the Navy, he tired of the water in the ocean. So he retreated to the mountains, backpacking in particular. I was tiny and a little sickly, but a 20-pound backpack rested on my skinny shoulders anyway. He told me it was good for my health. Well, maybe it was, because here I am, healthy and happy. My father led the troop of six with a swagger up the mountain trail. The only thing missing was the eye patch and the cutlass. Seven long miles uphill. Dad's version of summer vacation. I hated every minute of it. Mount Rainier was cold, slippery, and forbidding, but up we went. The trail was treacherous. We walked along the edge of a switchback mountain trail. One slip and you could go over. No one spoke. We held our place in line. Seven and a half miles we marched. We didn't complain. Didn't let tears come to the surface because we knew it was useless. You know, there's no crying and camping. <laughs> I remember the hollow vacuum in the pit of my stomach, the raw emotion, searching for a place to go. Instead, agony and despair found the entrance to the black hole and disappeared inside. Nothing existed except determination to focus on the trail and the weight on my back. Long ago, I learned not to ask why father ran the family like a military operation. Mother was no help. She stayed in survival mode, her own. Father remained an enigma. His Navy experience at Pearl Harbor forever changed him. It's painful to look back at my eight-year-old self and realize in that short time I developed a sophisticated method of survival. Alone within a family of six, the only thing to do was endure. 
Eventually, we, were, we arrived at the lake, tired, hungry. The trip ended. There were tents to erect, fires to build. No one eats until camp is set up. My job was to hold the tent pole while Dad pounded the stakes into the ground, and I was instructed to hold them very straight. Well, weariness and hunger took their toll on my undersized body, and I let the pole lean too far to the right. He yelled at me, hold that pole. It's a memory I'll never forget. He didn't care about my tired body, only that stupid pole. He stopped the hammer in midair when the smell of pancakes drifted into our range. Darkness fell, and he delivered the last blow to the plastic spike. Time to eat, he announced. Grateful for the warm fire my brothers assembled, we surrounded the flames and ate in silence. I'm telling you, those pancakes tasted like Thanksgiving dinner. Tomorrow, a raft was to be built and fish to catch and clean. Mother cooked, my sister cleaned the trout, and the rest of us took our watch at the fishing poles. Father taught us to brandish a pole, and fortunately for me, I'd learned my lesson well. I could cast like a pro and usually brought in as much as my dad, but time enough to worry about fish tomorrow. His orders sent us scrambling to our tents and a night's sleep on the cold, hard ground. Finally, in the dark camp, I snuggled into the warm, downy sleeping bag and drifted off into my dream world. What did I dream about? Disneyland, a cruise, perhaps, or a road trip to Grandma's farm, riding horses, swimming in the lake, carefree and joyful, anything but this. I'm not sure what time I woke up, but the sound of the crackling fire alarmed me. I saw the shadow of a man at the tall flames through the tent canvas. Still numb from sleep, I couldn't tell who it was. So I crawled out of my cocoon and inched on my stomach to the door of the tent to peek through the hole at the zippered entryway. It was Father. The fire raged high and I could feel the heat from inside the tent. Why isn't he asleep? He must be exhausted. He sat down on a stump near the fire and cupped a steaming tin cup with both hands. I watched him for a little bit. He looked sad and forlorn, almost tortured. The shadows danced across his face in the firelight. This candid look at my father stirred something deep within the neglected regions of my hardened heart. Why is he so sad? He loves camping. I had a sudden shot of courage. I put my shoes and jacket on, unzipped the tent, and ventured out. He looked surprised, and then a miracle happened. He actually smiled. What's the matter, girl? Can't sleep? My voice was very low and intimidated. I heard the roar of the fire. I guess it woke me. What are you doing up? Well, someone's got to make sure the fire stays lit. The flames keep the animals away, and Mother needs it to cook breakfast in the morning. Won't do to have a cold breakfast to start our first day of fishing. It gets breezy on the lake. I looked at him square in the face. Oh, I guess I never thought about that. Well, it's time you did. 
Camp doesn't make itself, he said. Want some cocoa? I've got hot water. You're shivering. Sure. Cocoa sounds good. Are you drinking coffee? He reached for the pot and mixed the dry powder mix into the tin cup, all the while shooting glances at me and smiling. Here you go. That'll warm you up. No, I'm not drinking coffee. I like cocoa, too. I was kind of stunned. Dad drinks cocoa? I thought he'd be too tough for anything but coffee. We fell into silence, staring at the fire and sipping our hot liquid. The cocoa warmed more than just my body. Something akin to life filtered into my long, forsaken heart. So, how do you like it out here in the wilderness in the middle of the night? Peaceful, isn't it? I answered indifferently. Yeah, I guess it's peaceful. You can smile. I won't bite you. I looked at him and forced my lips to curve into a smile. When he grinned back, my lips parted and a full-blown laugh exploded from my body. It felt good. That's more like it, he said. I wondered which of my kids would be the first. The first what? I asked. The first to want to get to know me. So many things impact our lives. For me, it was my dad. For better or not, he is still the main character in my childhood. Was he a model dad after that? No way. I continued to have a love-hate relationship with him. Well, maybe not hate, but surely fear. It wasn't until I was grown and had kids of my own that I decided to know him better. We live states away by this time. I called and asked him why he raised us so coldly. His answer reminded me of the time camping when I saw into the window of his pain. We talked about his own childhood then and how the pain of never knowing his real father affected him. We cried, we laughed, we cried some more. More importantly, we talked about things that affected him. I had my dad for two more years, and then his heart gave out. He was gone. The last time I saw him, he hugged me so tight before we left their house. He didn't want me to go. The first real affection I got from him. Six months later, he was dead. That was 26 years ago, and I still cry at movies about Pearl Harbor, trying to put myself in his shoes, trying to understand the emotional pain he must have endured his whole life. Betrayed by his mother, shoved into war, how could it not affect him and then eventually affect me? But I have two beautiful memories to hang on to my eight-year-old self having cocoa by the fire, and my adult self savoring that long-awaited hug. I always try to put something of myself into the books I write. In my book, That One Moment, I take my character to the mountains of a survival camp after a devastating breakup. I draw from those experiences in the mountains to give a sense of reality to the scenes. All of my books are on Amazon, and you can see them on my website, pattywiseman.com. 
I've really enjoyed talking with you today. I hope this gives you a little insight into my soul and how I write. Remember, someone said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Don't let the past rob you. Use those experiences to shape the life you want. I never understood all the facets of my father's complex personality, but I can use my experiences with him to understand me. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.